I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Bike racing is coming home. Spring is in the air, and with it, the hint of frying hot dogs and Belgian beer. It's classic season again. This is a quiet residential street in the Belgian town of Kuhn, just a few miles from the border with France. For one day a year, it's invaded by the Pro Tour circuits for Kuhn Brussel Kuhn, part of the classics opening weekend, along with yesterday's Omloop Het Nieuwsblad. Everybody loves racing bikes in Belgium, and on this edition, I talked to rising British talent Fred Wright of Bahrain McLaren, 20 years old and already acquitting himself well in his first season with the pros. An experienced local-born rider, Jans Kukalier of EF Pro Cycling, on what it takes to tame the cobbles. Disappointingly, it mainly seems to involve being born in Flanders. And the South London slackers behind the deserter blog on their trip to the Festival of Belgianness, the cyclocross at Cockshader. This is the Ruler podcast, supported by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. So Fred Wright of Bahrain McLaren, you're about to start Kuhn Ross's Kuhn. Yesterday you did uh, Omnip the Head Newsblad. Um, it's a bit of a busy old weekend for you, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it's probably the busiest <laughs> busiest weekend ra- racing I've ever had. 400k in, in two days. I mean, it's not there's nothing like starting another race day having done the probably the hardest race of your life. What was yesterday like? Uh, just watching it on the TV, it looked hard enough. Yeah, it was it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the TV even does it ju- does it justice. To be honest, there's nothing. Nothing easier than that with that with that kind of weather, but no, I, I still still absolutely loved it, you know, <laughs> being in Belgium. Well, you've raced in Belgium a lot, you know, as a junior and uh, in the past. But what's the difference? How much of a step up has it been this this year coming to the Pro Tour? I think it's just, especially for these races, it's just every single section, every corner, every every point where there could be some action, like with a, some crosswind or a cobble sector or a narrow road. It's it's a it's a fight for each of those points, which I. I've never experienced before, and that really, that really takes a toll on your on your body. That's for sure. And, and what's your job in the team for these races? Then, what, do you have a specific target for each race? It, it would just be full full support for the guys. I think what's good is I learned learned a bit yesterday, and I, hopefully I'll be able to do do a better job today. And so I know what got a good got the plan, and just got got to stick to it. Uh, this is your first uh, season with uh, Byron McLaren. Your first season with uh, with a Pro Tour team. Um, presumably beyond 
beyond uh, this, you, you have your own ambitions, do you? I mean, at some point, you'd be wanting to win rather than just supporting uh, other riders. Yeah, I think that's what's, that's what's great, is I can I can come to these races and just... The, the most important thing with these Belgian races, which are the races that suit me, is, is knowing the course. And I have did some recce's in the week with one of the guys from the team, and there's so much to learn and so many different points. Like you got to know, oh, look, there's a how, this house on the right or this is the big brewery where this happens or whatever. So you got, especially with the course like yesterday where you're just, you're going on the same road multiple times, you're going to the same cobble section, you need to just know you got to know what's coming before so you can get in the right place before. Well, you're about to get on your bike. What uh, What's your target for today? What's your job for today? Just got to put the guys in the right place before the uh, before the Quermont. And that's where that's, it's going to be decided. Yeah, it? I mean, who knows? I mean, to be, as you saw yesterday, it kicked off a lot earlier than I think what we, than we originally expected. But, yeah, we just keep everyone in the right place and stay up there and hopefully, hopefully we'll come away with the result. So you're off to your bike now. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Well, while Fred Wright is learning the ropes of one-day racing on the Pro Tour, Jans Kukalia can look back at the respectable 10 years of riding at the highest level and the lifetime spent riding the roads round here. I spoke to the EF Pro cycling rider the night before, Het Nieuwsblatt, and he told me he'd come to bike racing relatively late. I'm not raised in a real cycling family. My dad, he always had a race bike. Um, and growing up, we always went to the Alps on holidays to watch one of the stages of the Tour de France. Um, and my dad would bring his bike, and then maybe a friend would bring uh, their bikes as well, and they, they went for a couple of rides. But um, it wasn't really a cycling family. Like That was probably the only time the bike got used. And I actually started a little bit late. Uh, I started uh, racing as a junior uh, and riding the bike a little bit before that. But I remember like probably one of the first proper rides we did. We we came here to the parkour of uh, Flanders and Omloop um, just to see how those hills are like. So uh, yeah, that was one of my first experiences on a bike. Uh, so you're used to them. You're used to the cobbles. You're used to the wind. You're used to the rain, which looks like we're getting quite a lot of this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think with the cobbles. Um, so I grew up in Bruges. Uh, the old center is full of cobbles. I don't think there's a lot of uh, like normal paved roads. Um, and it might be a stupid thing, but I actually think that helped me um, like understanding a little bit how to ride the cobbles because I, have, I had to go to school every day on the bike. And I think in a way you learn it a little bit. You, you learn to read the cobbles and know where to ride and where not to ride because I can imagine somebody coming to Europe and doing the cobble races for the first time they have absolutely no idea where to ride and where not to ride. I think growing up, it's it's probably the best learning school. You just go to school on your normal bike every day on the cobbles, and you'll know, okay, that's a bad section, that's a good section. What's the secret then? Uh, I don't think there's 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 a lot of secrets. I think doing it a lot uh, helps because you, 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 yeah, you learn to read the cobbles. But I think the most important thing these days is just uh, the material, the bikes, the tires, the wheels. Um, I think that's also why, um, compared to other races, we do so much testing and recons because the smallest change can make a huge difference. I think, uh, yeah, I think every every team uh, does it. If you don't, you you have a big disadvantage. The weather today and the forecast for the weekend is, is, is pretty grim for both races. Um, but you were out riding yesterday. It was even worse, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it'll probably be the nicest pictures we'll have uh, the whole year. 
but uh, actually it wasn't too bad um, because uh, I think we knew it was really bad. Like we were driving uh, in the bus to the starting point and it was snowing, like uh, actually the worst conditions to ride in because when it gets a little bit colder, then it's proper snow and then you don't really get wet. Um, but this was like, it was still wet uh, and nice cold. Um, and in the bus, yeah, you just saw everybody just put on everything he had. And nobody got got cold yesterday. We also we also did we did it smart. We didn't like uh, stop every ten minutes uh, to get a jacket on and off. And guys that want to go harder or slow, we made it like a proper uh, recon. And we only stopped once or twice uh, to do like some small adjustments. Um, and it was actually good. Like the last thirty minutes, it dried up. And I think if we, if we would have said we go a little bit longer, it would have been okay for everybody. But uh, yeah, the, the conditions were really bad yesterday. I think for sure, if it was only me, I, I can't even remember the last time that I went out for a ride in this weather condition. But uh, I think it was good we did it yesterday. Uh, we got a lot out of it, uh, especially with the with the, the tires and the wheels, um, because I think for, yeah, uh, I'm new in the team, um, but there's always some new changes. It's, I think it's always interesting to try out the, the bikes and the wheels and the tires on the cobbles. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good recon yesterday. Are you one of those Flandrian riders who gets up, looks out the window, and if it's pouring with rain and wind and it looks really miserable, you think, yeah, that's, that's my sort of day? No, not at all. But I have to say, I don't get worse. Um, I think I handle all weather conditions pretty well. If it's super warm, like I'm not going to perform better, but I'm not going to get a lot worse. Like you have some riders that really don't perform when it's really warm, um, and I have the same with the cold. If I can choose, I would prefer just 20 degrees and dry. Um, but I don't think like I don't think I get a lot worse when the weather's bad. I think it's the same for almost everybody. You don't have that like really explosive acceleration, but I think nobody has. Um, I think the key is just to stay warm as long as possible. You just said that this is your first season with EF Pro, um, EF Pro Cycling. Um, it's a team that does things in different ways, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not a kind of standard uh, pro cycling team. How are you fitting in? I feel very well. Um, like, uh, so I, I came from Mitchelton to Lotto Sudal two years ago. Um, and then from Lotto Sudal to here, actually... It feels a lot like what I was used to in Mitchelton. It's uh, the team is a lot more international, especially when you look at the staff, um, and it feels similar as well. Uh, of course, there's, there there are some differences, um, but I feel really good in the team. Like I remember coming going from Mitchelton to Lotto, it was a Belgian team. You know a lot of uh, people already in that team because they're all from the same country, and it's easy to fit in. Uh, so I didn't struggle uh, changing teams back then. I was curious how that was going to go now, but it actually went super smooth as well. Um, I think it helps as well that I've been um, a yeah, pro cyclist for 10 years, so you get to know riders. Um, I already knew some riders uh, when I came here, um, and that made it easier, but I felt uh, very welcome in this team. Um, and I think up to this point, uh, all has been going really well. At the moment, at the time we're recording this interview, we don't know what's going to happen with the Italian races, with the um, virus that's uh, causing so many problems. Um, but presumably your big focus is on the other uh, Belgian races later this month and, and yeah, the 
the rest of spring, I guess. Yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen now. Um, the only thing I do know is that everybody in the team and the race organizers, they do everything um, what has been advised from the World Health Organization. Um, it's all being followed up, I think, as good as possible. And of course, you think about it because this is an important period, but uh, there's actually not much we can do. We just wait and see what happens. Um, and if we can race uh, the next couple of weeks, then we can race. And if we can't, then that's how it's going to be. Which uh, races in particular are you looking forward to, if, assuming that they go ahead? Presumably, again, we have a look at, um, that's, you, you did very well there a few years ago. Then you came second to another local rider, Greg Van Avermaet. Yeah, um, well, it's always hard to choose. I think um, as, as you get older and... Uh, ride these races uh, more and more, you realize that it's actually a really short period in the whole uh, racing calendar. Um, and for me, it doesn't really matter. I, I really look forward to opening weekend. I also look forward to the coming classics. So uh, yeah, just this whole period, you feel that it's, it's something special, um, especially uh, for a rider that grew up here. Um, so uh, yeah, just this whole period I'm looking forward to. And after the spring season, what, what, what's your role in the team from, from then on? I think that'll be a little bit similar to actually the previous years. I think uh, especially my time in Michelin, I developed myself as a rider and knowing what I was capable of, what I was not capable of. And I had a lot of, I think, a big, uh, a big role in um, just helping, uh, helping out in the stage races. Uh, then mainly the first years, we had a lot of sprinters there um, helping in the lead out. I actually felt good in that role, uh, but then later on the team switched a little bit into more of a GC team, so uh, that changed my role as well, just helping out the GC riders. And I also felt good in that role, um, and I think here is going to be the same. Um, I started the season in Tour Down Under, um, and there I was last month uh, in the leadouts for uh, Christopher, um, and I felt good in that role. I, I think the team was happy with what I was doing there. Um, so for the rest of the season I see um, mainly yeah, most of the races will be that and then yeah, stage races you always have uh, some opportunities, not a lot um, but I, I, I think I can manage a, a big variety of, um, of uh, parkours so uh, whenever the opportunity is there I, I can go for like, uh, myself on certain stages and you're 31 now, 10 years as a pro rider. Um, what do you think the future holds? What, what, when you look at the rest of your career, what do you think? Yeah, I think the biggest goal uh, stays um, winning a one-day classic. Uh, and then, yeah, between now and Roubaix, let's say. Um, but just uh, continue the way uh, I've been riding the last couple of years. I think um, I won a stage in the Vuelta. That was... Uh, that was probably one of my, my biggest victories up until now. Um, I came close uh, a couple of times in the Tour. Um, I think uh, yeah, winning stages in, in Grand Tours, that's, that's always, uh, always going to stay a goal. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of beautiful one-day races, not only this period, but in the rest of the season. Yeah, still a lot of goals, um, I think, personally, but also with the team. There's still a lot of things uh, I want to I want to go for. You're listening to the Ruler podcast, supported by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance, powered by the community. 
So I'm Toby Taupitz, the CEO and co-founder of Lacker. We've been going for over two years by now, and we can confidently say that we are 25% cheaper than our competitors. So you save money with Lacker while getting a unique and much better experience. One thing we're really, really proud of is that we're doing all claims in-house. So when you file a claim with us, it doesn't go to a third-party administrator in the middle of nowhere. It sits with us, with our claims handlers, who are no insurance people, but are actual um, bike mechanics. Fairly unique, we believe, and that really gives us a unique take on the customer experience. Well, among the joys of watching bike racing in Belgium are, of course, beer and chips. Two things the Belgians, Flandrians especially, uh, can make a reasonable claim for being among the best in the world at making. And that wasn't lost on my next two guests, uh, Vince and Andy from the Deserter blog and podcast. Um, They've written in the latest edition of Rouleur about their visit to the cyclocross at Cockshader. Um, First of all... um, Gentlemen, it's fair to say probably that you know more about beer and chips than you do about cycling. Would that be would that be true? Uh, yes, more about beer and chips than probably anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it that uh, got you to uh, go over to Cockshader and and stand in the cold watching cyclocross? I think initially for me it was the word Belgium uh, when Ian rang up. <laughs> uh, he basically had us at Belgium, didn't he? And um, the idea that we could uh, perhaps catch a sport new to us and then see our European cousins at play and make some very salient points about their enjoyment. Ian did promise a massive Euro disco party, didn't he, uh, uh, by yeah. the side of the race, uh, which did come to pass, so, yeah, it didn't disappoint. Um, but, yeah, Belgium does have yeah the beer and the chips, and it's a really quite mad event, isn't it, the... Uh, I mean, cyclocross generally, but cyclocross on sand. Mm. Yeah, that's um, it's very tiring to watch. <laughs> Our first port of call was the uh, beer marquee, yeah, and, in which it was fair to say Bedlam was taking place. <laughs> it is an extraordinary event. Almost all bike racing in, in mm. Belgium is, is accompanied by the most extraordinary music as well, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah, we we uh, had it described to us as, by Jeff, the photographer, as electro umper. And that uh, really summed it up for me. It's it like songs you half knew, but they knew very well and were belting out at the top of their lungs. Uh, yeah, very thuddy. Yeah, with that, with that very insistent beat. You know, I've never seen people having such a good time to bad music. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what did you actually make of the racing? Did you see any of the racing, yes. first of all? Yes, we saw all the racing. Um, uh, well, we saw the, the women's and the men's elite. Um, and yeah, we saw, so we saw the women go through with uh, the first five cyclists all being um, Dutch. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that didn't go down so well with the home crowd. And then, of course, we saw Van der Poel, yeah. uh, who was extraordinary, wasn't he? Amazing. I mean, uh, it, it was a walkover, but as we all agreed afterwards, as I think I said in the piece, actually, it's one of those walkovers that you just feel utterly privileged to have been at, you know, to have witnessed. He's obviously a great sportsman and, uh, you know, it's a brilliant sight. Tell us a bit about Deserter, because um, it's difficult to define the blog and the podcast Mm. and the book, um, really, isn't it? But it is essentially, it's about the joys of South London, drinking and and not doing much else, really. Yes, we're all about messing about, really. Uh, You know, nicking off from work early, uh, get into the pub in the in the afternoon, um, and a bit like now a bit like now. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm afraid you've dragged us out of our normal day and, and got us to uh, a pub on a what day is it? 
Thursday afternoon. Yeah, and uh, we've got the good seats. That's what it's all about. Nick off early, get the good seats. So on our travels, you know, there's a lot of pub crawls involved. And, you know, we write about more than just the beer, but about the experience of uh, messing about, the history of the places, if there's some interest there. Yeah, we refer to it as hidden learning. So so you almost don't know you're getting a bit of a history lesson. And it has an appeal um, much wider than South London, doesn't it? Yeah, well, as I think uh, we said, uh, you know, messing about is universal. You know, everybody wants to slack off, don't they? I think, uh, I'm sure they do. Um, So, yeah, we we hope uh, it has an appeal out of London. It's just that London is the seat of our psychogeographic wanderings. Because we're quite lazy and that's where we live. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, we're mostly in South London. um, But you could be doing it anywhere, although I wouldn't advise it in the country. There's a lot more walking and, uh, you know, further distances between pubs, which is great for the endurance messer about her. Actually, it's one of the appeals of uh, cyclocross, isn't it? Because you don't have to do that much walking around. Uh, Basically, the racing comes to you, doesn't it? That's right, yeah. Just lap after lap after lap, and you're right by the beer tent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you, we got to see all the action because we, we were right by the, the, the flyover mm. um, uh, in great view of, um, of one of the dunes, so we could see the cyclists dismounting and mounting again. Uh, I mean, I felt for them, but they seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> and we're actually in uh, the Ivy House in, in Nunhead in South mm. London, which is a pub which was effectively saved by the community because it was threatened like so many other pubs with, uh, with closure mm. um, it, it, it's a sort of rare example of uh, a British pub that you know, is, is going, against the, going against the odds really isn't it? Absolutely yeah I mean it came within a whisker of being closed it was previously known as the Newlands Tavern and was famous for its music and we've just walked through the, the music, the stage room and we're sitting in what they call the refectory. So uh, it's a multi-purpose pub which the community now owns and uh, is used in many different ways almost every night of the week. It, it was the winner of our first ever Deserter World Cup of Pubs. And I think we came to uh, uh, deliver their... their, their we, we, we awarded them a sticker. <laughs> and uh, when we came to deliver it, there was uh, chess going on in one room knitting going on in another you know in a folk band going on in another it was quite remarkable that was a monday wasn't it it was a monday night in january um <laughs> yeah it wasn't folk it was um 78 records uh, people bring mm. your own 78s and play it in the music room and and it's obviously yeah it's been bought by the community but it's really being serviced by the community you know they're all everyone's mm. involved and mm. yeah it's and so i believe it's the first community owned pub in the uk is the beer as good as belgium though <laughs> well, it's certainly different. I mean, Bel- Belgian styles are very different from ours, aren't they? I mean, the beer is very good here. Yeah. Um, we did try some lovely ones when we were in Belgium, though. You had yeah. a Chimay, didn't you? I had a Chimay uh, in the hotel, the Chimay Blue. I think, you know, it's only 9%. You know, I was feeling <laughs> I just needed a little perk up. Yeah, at the, uh, perhaps disappointingly, uh, at the cyclocross itself, there was only Jupiler on, uh, available, or at least that's all I could find in the, in the mad throng. But I think that's to stop because in the past there has been some sort of alcohol-related fisticuffs at uh, the cyclocross, isn't there? And, and throwing stuff at the riders yes. and things like that. So oh, they're probably not handing out well, the uh, strong stuff. Who, yeah. There were several people who'd clearly been there from the very beginning of the day and possibly hadn't even left the beer tent because when they came out, they looked like they were from another world. They were blinking, some were shoeless, one was <laughs> covered in mayonnaise. 
I mean, there's that guy wandering around, wasn't there, between races? He was looking, initially, I just thought he'd lost his friends, but I think he just had that confused look on his face for the whole day. Yeah, um, I'm not sure he had any friends, but yeah. Um, uh, but there is also a craft beer scene in Belgium as well, as there is pretty much everywhere. I mean, we weren't very far from Ostend, were we, in uh, Kokshada? Um, but uh, they have they have some very good uh, microbreweries there. North Sea is one of them, and I had one of their beers while we were there. Do you have ambitious plans for Deserta? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite true. No, we I don't. mean, we do. We, we, we had a book out last year, um, which has done very well, and they keep asking us to do another one, um, <laughs> which we, we might get around to. And uh, I think if we do, uh, when we do, um, it'll be sort of perhaps burst out of South London a little bit and be a bit more general, perhaps a more of a guide to slacking and messing about. Uh, a little more universal. Yeah, having said that we're not that ambitious, I mean, I think we're, it's just that we're more lazy, but we, we probably will get that second book done and also a TV treatment. Yeah, they asked, our agency asked for a TV treatment uh, last June. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought it's important to stay on brand and not deliver that for at least a year. And we're doing that very well so far. Yes, very well. I mean, it's only got to be a couple of pages long. Yeah. But, you if know, anyone out there would care to write it for us, you know, drop us a line. Yeah. Vince and Andy of The Deserter. And that's it from this podcast. There'll be a Ruler Long Reads podcast soon, and I'll be back with another podcast later in the month. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.